0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Shaky's Sports Journeys. Um, I've been traveling all over the world. Um, I've been talking to cricketers in Australia. Um, I spoke to a major league baseball player in the, in the United States. Uh, I spoke to people in the Caribbean. I thought it was time to come back closer to home. Um, and who better to have on the show than a, a fellow Glaswegian and Celtic FC legend, Simon Donnelly. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks, Paul. Yourself? Ah, Very well, very well. Slowly yeah. start to get back outdoors again, do I know you were, striking a, striking a, striking a golf ball late, earlier on this morning.
1: Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be invited up to Green Eagles. now that the, the, the laws have kind of lightened a wee bit in terms of travel. So I was up there this morning, bright and breezy, but the golf was a wee bit hot and cold.
0: Listen, I'll be back. Class is permanent, Simon. I'll be back, I'm assure, I assure you. And what have you been doing with yourself? Obviously, lockdown, um, it's, been a, it's been a strange time in life.
1: What have you been doing with yourself? Yeah, uh, as much as possible, try to keep my three boys amused in the house at the beginning when lockdown was tight. Uh, my wife was still working. Uh, there's wee bits and bobs that I can do with my own business ventures. Uh, try to keep fit. You know, that's probably been one of the difficult things that everybody's found, you know, mentally as well as physically, because it's been testing times, real times and No, I think we've all had our wee highs and lows through lockdown, but yeah, just trying to
0: get myself out and on the move as much as possible. I've been seeing your Insta story. You're no lying. I've been seeing you've been putting in the, you've been putting, you're doing a, you're doing a charity challenge just now as well. Simon, tell me, tell me a bit about that.
1: Basically, it came about. I was, as I said there, I was just trying to get out, moving and running, uh, get myself off the couch. And there was two or three of us in June. targeted 200 kilometres and I kind of came into the challenge a wee bit later on so I think I only managed to get to about the 100 mark but as I was doing those runs I kind of thought to myself why don't I do something in July that will benefit myself you know getting out and running but will raise some money for some charities uh, and that's basically where it came about so there's, there's a couple of us doing 300 kilometres in July and I'm going to donate a quid for every kilometre so I, I hope to maybe beat 300 uh, by the end of the month and we're hoping that we've opened up two just Given pages on my Twitter and Instagram and it's for the Sick Kids Hospital in Glasgow and Edinburgh Headway, which is a, a charity that look after adults after they've had any sort of brain injuries. You know, and it's tied in with uh, my good friend Jackie McNamara's business concilium. They have a foundation and that's one of the beneficiaries. So it made sense to choose that charity as well, you know, after everything that he's been through recently, and that's how it came about, you know, so hopefully, well it definitely is, it's inspiring me to get off my backside and go out and run and put the, the kilometres in, but
0: hopefully we can raise a few quid for the, the charities as well. Listen, that's, that's awesome, just, just, just while we're on that, my, my little brother, my late little brother passed away many, many years ago now, uh, attended York Hill Hospital for a short life of, of five years, um, and, you know, the work, that they, the work they do... Uh, for the child, for, the, for children that are sick and supporting families and whatnot, it's quite amazing. So uh, you know, I'll certainly be looking to to make a donation to your to your cause, um, and I'll spread word, I'll spread the word as well because it's a it's a fantastic cause. As is people with uh, that have had brain trauma, or um, and how is Jackie McNamara now? Since his le- he had a recent scare, obviously. He's very well. Uh,
1: he's getting stronger all the time. He's back working. Uh, I'm speaking to him on a regular basis on the phone and Zoom calls. Uh, but yeah, he's been through through the walls, you know. At the start
0: of the year, uh, real shock shocked us all. But great to see him on the mend and and fighting fit. Good, good. I'm glad glad to hear it. Really glad to hear it. So let's get into the let's get into the show. And the reason we're here today was just to talk about your uh, your crack career, Simon. Um, born first of December, nineteen seventy four, um, in Sunny Rutherglen, Burnside, in Glasgow. Um, yeah. Talk to me about your family background, your childhood, growing up any siblings? Tell me a bit about
1: it. Hey, well, my, my parents are both Ayrshire born and bred. Uh, both teachers came to Glasgow to through education uh, and, and taught in Glasgow at various schools. My mum worked in the, the visual arts studio in the town. Uh, I've got a sister, uh, younger sister, Alex. So all I've known, I'm, I was aware of the family from Ayrshire because my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and cousins, we always used to go down there, but I've uh, only known living in Glasgow, uh, born and bred here, you know, after all my mum and dad moved in. Uh, but yeah, a good good childhood, heavily influenced by football as you can imagine. Playing football in the streets. We we stayed a a street in Ruggland where at the time you could go out and play in the streets. There was it was cars but not you know, not too many. Uh, we could go out there and play and if, if a car came you would lift up the jackets, the car would pass. Like probably everybody else. At that, yeah, at, at that time, you know, and with a laying up the bat and it was it was good times and that's where I say it to my sons, that's where subconsciously I honed my skills. I didn't even know, I just was enjoying football. But that's where you you learn and start picking up little skills as you as you just go out and play as much as you can, you know. I, I used to go I'd go to school in the morning an hour before so that I could play with my pals in the playground. I'd be straight out same. After, after school, you know,
0: so it's just just the way everybody was brought up at that time, I guess. Come home, come home, get your homework done as quick as possible so you can get the freedom to go out, and then you push the, boundary, yeah.
1: push Aye, the my, boundaries my, as my, possible. My parents would probably be me trouble for not doing the homework. I think that was my problem. <laughs> I
0: think I was out playing football before the homework got finished. Listen, that sounds just the same as my... But it's times have changed, Simon, they really have. I mean, I had I a podcast... With Kelly Clark, Celtic captain, the ladies' captain, just last year. Yeah, week, Kelly. That's yeah. how you kind of kind of came yeah. about. Um, and she um, she touched. We we talked about this. The childhood has changed now. You, I don't see any kids putting a couple of jumpers down and just getting a game of football. I don't see all the the seven side pitches at Tony Glenn. Um, I, I, I play I play a game regularly where I was up to lockdown at Holyrood. Pitches are always yeah. empty. Um, that's, yeah. that's a that's a bit, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a concern. Um, but you obviously had, had, a, had a very, you know, great childhood out playing all the time. What great to hear. Um, your, your old man, is he no, did, he, he, put, did, did he, was he, was he on the books at Rangers for a while? He was, aye. He was, he was, I think he was the best part of four years at Rangers. Uh, oh. So he,
1: he signed from school and I think he was there with the likes of John Gregg. You know, I think there was some, some good players at Rangers at the time and he, he never made it quite into the first team, which I like to remind him of. Uh, but he's got his own ways of getting back at me as well. But I had four years there before he went to, I think he had his best senior days at Murrow. He played at Murrow. I think he'd... Where did he play, Simon? What
0: position did he play? He was right, right
1: half, they would say, right midfield. He was a midfielder. Yeah, I never seen a lot of him. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's not a lot of footage of him. Uh, I'm told he was quite a clever midfielder uh, and he, he likes to remind me that he scored two goals against Spurs back in the day when the, it was the old Texaco Cup Yeah. so he's reminded me of that uh, a lot of times over the years but that's where he had his main kind of success bizarrely he'd already been into teaching at that point so can you imagine that nowadays like a, a player playing senior
0: football and teaching kids at the same oh, time Simon uh, Donnelly Simon Donnelly's got you going to your maths class and Simon Donnelly what's going on here <laughs> watching
1: your so that must have been what it was like for, for him at that time. I, I read the scrapbooks and I can kind join the dots. But yeah, he, he taught at the same time and then he, he kind of finished his career moved to Stirlingbury the spell with Alec Ferguson. Alec Ferguson was his that was his first management role uh, with oh. my dad's team there. So he, he went there and then finished in the in the
0: juniors. Well he certainly played about he's played played more than a bit. Yeah. Now the question yeah. I asked then is. Was your dad a Rangers fan?
1: Did you what? What's the, what was it? was that was it? Was your dad a Rangers fan then? Yeah, yeah. My my family did, no kind of except that my family was Rangers. Yeah. And, and that that was how I was brought up until well, up until I signed with Celtic at seventeen. Um, and yeah. people people can't get their heads round that, but that's just you you're ball into. It. You don't yeah. have a choice at that
0: that time. Uh, and I like to say, thankfully, at seventeen I seen the light and yeah. Celtic. Well, I'm going to put out there right now that I'm born and bred a Rangers fan, and it's it's funny I'm getting I'm getting a lot of banter from a, from some of my mates now because it's like, where's the Rangers? What, what, you, you keep you keep doing what you've got. Simon Donnelly coming on there. Can't wait to see it. But what about the Rangers? So I need to yeah. I need to even things up and get somebody from Rangers on at some point. But look, it's uh, it's um, it's great to hear about your childhood. Sounds like a great childhood. When did you start? kind of realising, when did when did it start getting noticed or you started noticing, where, where was it, what was the early success for you as a, as a, as a boy coming into higher level football?
1: Uh, it's weird because my, my road to, to where I got to Celtic at 17 is, is unorthodox to say the least. I, I, I had spells, I played with my pals as I said there, like everybody else, and I had spells at boys clubs. And I was at a boys club, uh, where I found myself being the, the sub that gets subbed. And I was maybe 12, 11, 12 at the time. I remember saying to my dad, I didn't want to, want to go back. Uh, and for that period from then, I played with my BB. I, I think the school team was just coming about when I was around about 13, 14, and my pals. And that was it, really. I played, mostly into the Glasgow school side and the Scotland under 18s side which wasn't really regarded as anything special because all the 16 year olds at that time had signed for somebody you know I played with Charlie Miller at Glasgow School. he'd signed for a ranger I hadn't signed for anybody so I'd kind of stayed on at school really just to play in the school football team it wasn't really anything to do academically I took subjects but it was really just to stick in at my football that was all I was really interested in and then at 16 years of age my best pal at school, his, his, his brother was playing in the, the Queen's Park team over at Hampton, uh, over at Hamden rather. And he'd, he'd more or less said, look to his brother, have you got any pals? I want the coach wants some under-18s to come along to the Hamden. It was really relaxed. And my mate says, look, do you fancy coming along, keep me company and we'll go along. And I went along, signed. I was there six months. I played in... Various reserve teams and the under-18s. I never played for the first team at Queen's Park, and before I knew it, Celtic came knocking, and I was away on a trial. After six months at Queen's Park, and went to Geneva and signed for Celtic. When I came back, hey, that's,
0: that's mental. That's like when it's you weird act-
1: because I keep I keep saying to people, six months before I signed for Celtic, I was I was playing in the park you with know, my mates. There was you no, know, there wasn't any, any real pathway, and you weren't even playing first team. I was the kind of for player against now.
0: That's that's. No. I mean, you, you would have thought a guy like yourself, you know, a local boy that's gone on to, to play for Celtic, would have been in all the teams, you know, coming yeah. through. But you
1: know, I remember playing in the reserves. I remember so I, I was under 18 at Queen's Park, and then you regard a wee bit of promotion as going and playing for the, the reserves in the Reserve League West midweek. You're playing with men, you know. I'm 16, going 17. And you're getting in there against senior pros, some of them. Uh, and I remember thinking, playing at Leicester Hamden and thinking, I'm actually doing all right. I'm holding my own, making a goal here or there. Uh-huh. But for whatever reason, Eddie Hunter was the manager at the time. I never quite got to the first team level. Uh-huh. And then, as I say, five months in, Celtic came knocking. There'd been whispers of Celtic and Rangers. You always hear little rumours. And Celtic came and asked me to go to, to Geneva on a, an end-of-season trip with, I think it was under-20s. And I went and trained at Celtic for a week. And immediately I could see the levels were up. I was training with guys like Stuart Gray, Brian McLaughlin, Barry Smith, who broke into the first team at the time. And the levels just jumped up from where I'd been at, at Queen's Park. And, and, and I loved it. You're know, winning around Celtic Park. We were actually getting changed in the, the dress rooms and you down to train at Barryfield for that week. And in that week, we ironically played Queen's Park in a game. I don't know if it was a friendly or Glasgow Cup. It was up at a, an old pitch, I don't know if you're familiar, Helenvale, the old AstroTurf pitch along Bar- uh, London Road. I don't know if it's still there. Uh, and we played there and I scored, I scored a hat-trick. And that was before we went to the tournament. And I thought, I've done myself you know, a few favours there because when I, to, when I went to Switzerland and Geneva, I, I didn't play well. I didn't score a goal. I, th- I thought when I came back, I'd blow my chances. Yeah. Uh, and it was only recently when I started working back at the, at the park, I had a conversation with, with Bobby Lennox, who was my first coach. Him and Benny Rooney took the team when I was first at Celtic. And he said to me, he says, I remember your first game, son. And I was, Bobby's getting a wee bit older now, but he's still really, really sharp. And I was yeah. thinking, where's he going with this? I hope I don't embarrass him here by saying he's got the wrong game. I was maybe expecting my first game for the first team. Yep. And he says he, sw- he scored a hat-trick against Queen's Park at Hellendale. I couldn't believe he remembered it. That's and he right. said, I turned around to Benny Reyes as we need to sign him. So from me going to Geneva and worrying about my performances there, they'd already made their mind up on so it. So it was amazing to share that story with Bobby recently. So you were already
0: signed before you got on the plane to, to go before over there? I, and, I, and I didn't even know it. There you go. There you go. But it just shows you you get those one or two opportunities. Um, and if you, you take you take an opportunity or two, it can, it can change your life. Nah hundred percent. That's certainly what certainly will happen with you. Um if I'm right in saying you signed for Celtic twenty seventh of May nineteen ninety-three. Ninety two I was there. Ninety two I signed. Ninety two. Um yeah. now you went into a, you went from Queen's Park, like you say the standard went up a wee bit, but then you went into a squad with um you know the who's who of Scottish football. I mean, to name a few. One that stands out to me in particular is the great Paul McStay. Yeah. John Collins, one of my yeah. favourite, one of my favourite players, John Collins. Charlie Nicholas, yeah. Tom Boyd. What's it like, Simon, going into a changing room or your first, or your early training sessions with some of these guys? It
1: was amazing. It was amazing because I'd, I'd been there. I'd been there a year and a half, I think, before I actually got into the the first team uh, set-up. It was under Lou Carey. So I'd already been there with Liam Brady for a season and a bit, I think, if I remember rightly. And I'd i I'd been round about these players because as a young player, you were cleaning boots. I think I was cleaning Charlie Nicholas's boots. You were cleaning different boots. You were doing gear. You were, you were getting into the dressing rooms and cleaning the, the dressing rooms. And there'd be one or two first team stragglers in there, so you would get a wee bit of chat with them and... That would, that would be the first introduction with these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, because the reserves was a set-up at that time, the first team would only have two subs. So be a strong reserve team would play. So say we were playing Rangers at Celtic Park, the reserves would be playing Rangers at Ibrox you know, mm-hmm. on the Saturday. It was a real good experience for players' education coming through at that time. We were playing in an environment and alongside senior pros. Uh-huh. So I'd, I'd shared the pitch with a few of these guys, but I remember, I remember when Lou McCarrick called me up for my at Barryfield There was two pitches. The reserves would be and the young boys would be on one pitch. The first team would be on the other pitch. And I remember getting called up just before I made my debut on a Saturday at Easter Road, and I was playing. It was seven sides, I think, with the first team, and it was just amazing. It was amazing, and I I, I don't. I don't mean this in a big-headed way, but I felt it, it, it was easy. I was playing with players there, and I was bouncing balls off people. It, it was just an amazing experience that I'll never forget. And mm-hmm. we've rounded off some of the players there today on a training pitch with them, never mind you know, the actual pitch. Uh, it was all your dreams came through. That's, mm-hmm. that's where, when you're back doing it on the, uh, the streets 10 years before, that's where in your head you want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for it to happen, it was amazing.
0: How, so I mean, it sounds like it was a very comfortable. I mean, I'm sure they gave you a bit of banter um, when you were when you were coming in or about the changing room to begin with, but quite a welcoming bunch for you. I mean, you, you were ta- you, you, as a young boy coming in. you take who kind of who, who kind of looked out for you?
1: Uh, Paul McStay, Peter Grant, John Collins, all all, all good senior pros mm-hmm. uh, they would help you in different ways. You know, John was a model pro. Paul would lead lead by example. Grant he would wind you up. Mm-hmm. Grant, Grant, he would white you all, all the time. Keep me on your toes. But in a good way, you know, yeah. they, they looked after the young boys because particularly McStrae and Grant had been young boys himself. Coming through to, John had obviously came for the hips. Mm-hmm. But even, uh, like a Tom Boyd that you mentioned, all these guys were, were were good in their own way. I remember training, and I think I made my first start with Charlie Nicholas as well, where <coughs> Charlie was coming to the end of his, his career. Mm-hmm. He was... He, he, he was never particularly quick anyway, but everything up there and what I learned off watching him in training and playing that short spell that I did have up front of him, priceless, you know, just in terms of his intelligence and his movement. So you're, you're always picking bits up off every player that was there. It was, it was a great, I've said it before, great education to come through six months at Queen's Park and then suddenly I'm I in at Celtic and that period from at seventeen to when I made my debut at nineteen. You you, you learn so much.
0: That's amazing. It's amazing to, amazing. To it's just what amazes me again is how quickly you went from a certain type of level to the top of the top level. I mean it was and it seems like you you were you were one of the lucky ones. Sometimes people don't handle the pressure of going into yeah. that kind of cauldron, but you seem like you you, you 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 really enjoyed it. You thrived on it. I did I must admit I did uh,
1: I think it just kind of was a whirlwind. It came to me so quick. Uh, I, I, I just I, I felt that's where I kind of belonged. I think the second season I played that ten games and I think I scored five goals. <laughs> and I thought this is this is easy. This is where I belong. Mm-hmm. And then I was brought back down to the ground the, the the following season, my first full season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to Hamden in, in the club. We just had an, an absolute stinker in the season. It was terrible. Uh, we struggled badly. And I struggled badly. My confidence was low. I had a couple of injuries that kept me out for long periods. I never scored a goal. After coming in at the end of the, the season before, thinking... Yeah, no, because I see said, he started, he,
0: started, no. he started like a house on fire. Even a, I read a quote that no pressure or anything, but they even... So there was Some that compared you to the great
1: Sir Kenny Dalglish and said you had yeah, a similarities. No pressure in the early days. That, that was Lou. That was Lou McCarrie, right. And, that, and that, it honestly didn't affect me that. It was more than... I remember reading an article about... I think it was Ferguson. Alec Ferguson talking about gigs and saying, yeah, all right, the kids came in and scored five and ten, but it's when your opponents get familiar with you the next season. No, you're no longer the, the new kid on the block. Yeah. You have to go and do it again. And I, I did that. I, I, I toiled at Camden I had a stinker of a season. And I was talking to you about Peter Grant there. Peter Grant k- likes to remind me it's the only season that he's scored more goals than a strike at the Celtic. And he, he only get one. So that shows, you know, I, I really struggled in that second season. Yeah. And it took, it took Tommy Burns to take me aside the following pre-season and say, look, I'm going to take you away from that up front road. Yeah. yeah. I'd always regarded myself as I said, I'm gonna move you deeper. I think it'll suit your style of play to go and link up from midfield and build it and it'll take the pressure off you playing up front. And it's it's the best thing that any manager done for me because not only did it add an another think to my ball playing in that position, he brought Jackie in.
0: We had it all like, Yeah, I was gonna say the marriage with the marriage with Jackie started started back yeah. then. The boys have been like you know you're like brothers and, from what I see. Yeah, and that yeah. and Bobby Burns made
1: and that big That team he brought he brought in a, he brought in Van Hoidon towards the tail end of the Hamden season. He then brought in likes a cadet, Andy Tom. These were serious players that were mm-hmm. going to enhance our team. And I think that following season where we only lost one game was out with the obvious of winning the league, that was my most enjoyable in terms of the football we played. It was some great, great stuff to be involved in. But really, that gave me, it re-energised me in, in my career because I, from the highs of coming in as a kid and just banging goals in and thinking this is a squish to the reality of the second season, uh-huh. I, could, I could easily have slipped away there. But Tommy Burns seen something in me and says, right, we're going to put you right midfield and we're going to play in a different role here. It, it just suited, suited my game.
0: Something I wanted to ask you just before we, got into, before we go further on is I read up about it. Um, it's a famous, famous game that I wanted to ask you about because you play a big role in it. Um, it's called the lockout game, they call it. And you played a, you played a lone wolf, lone striker <laughs> up front mm-hmm. against Rangers in a nil-nil in a game. That, yeah. that People say you gave uh, Big Richard Goff a bit of a runaround in that game. But I mean, yeah. for a young lad to get put into that kind of role, that's a big ask.
1: I loved it. That was my first uh old film game and I loved it. First you old
0: fun game, bloody hell right. man. Straight There's no
1: Celtic no Celtic fans there and just bizarre John Collins scores the free kick in the place. You could only hear us screaming. The whole place was silent. Uh and I think it was Mikhail equalised late on, you know, otherwise we were getting out of there with a fantastic result. But uh-huh. a great I get experience. I did have a a, a good game. Uh my my dad, my sister, and my, my grandpa were in the main stand. It was a great story, but my grandpa's pal, you knocking let, gave up his, his season tickets to allow the three of them to come and watch my oh, no, first is, game there. So nice. they had to sit, they had to sit in there quietly and sit in their hands for ninety minutes. But <laughs> it was a good be, it could be story, and a nice gesture. Yeah, I
0: know very much. For it. how did you? How? What was key to? How did that? What, when did the manager mention to you that, that that's the role you're going to play? I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, I'd need to look back at it in terms
1: of how many games into. I'd, I came in two sub appearances there. I Scored two against Ruth Rovers. I think I scored against Dundee the following midweek. So it might have been my third or fourth start. Uh-huh. But because I'd scored and, and been doing reasonably well. Lou, you know, kept faith in me, and I, I more or less led the line myself up there. You know, because we. I think we set it up with kind of in the midfield with me up top. Yeah. Uh, but I enjoyed
0: it. I, I loved that game. It sounds like sounds like you sounds like you took to the role really well. And I, my next thing when we when we were going on there, we've obviously touched on it already. But I wanted to kind of go into a bit more detail on it. So Tommy Burns, the late Tommy Burns, sounds like played an absolute master stroke there. But what was key about it was he, he, the way I read up about it. Obviously, Jackie McIntyre played the overlapping fullback role. So was it just the synergy of you knew when to let Jackie go and he knew when, but you knew when to sit back or he knew when to support you? Is that what was? was that what was key about it?
1: Yeah, but we, we did work on it. That this is why Toby was was really good. And if you if you ask anybody through the, the generations, the young boys, I've, I've heard your Maloneys, your McGivens, your Dan all his boys speak highly of him because he always went out his way to help the young boys and it was the same with us, there was a group of us myself, Jackie, Shooty Gray, B. Brian McLaughlin was in the team 10, similar role on the opposite side uh-huh. and he would take us back in the afternoon and it was the bamboozling a million cones out or it, it was little triangles, little movements all relevant to our side of the pitch and we'd do it And he would show his little ideas and would bounce the ball about. And it just became automatic on a Saturday. It became, if I was cutting in, I knew where Jackie was going. Nine times out of ten, I wouldn't even need to look. And likewise, if I made a move, he he knew where I was. And it was just, it was the same with the Eddie on the other side. Brian McLaughlin was a fantastic player as well uh, at that time. Uh, It was him taking the time to come back and what was him and Starkey afternoons back up to Barrafield, only four or five of us, a couple of balls, little shapes, triangles. This is where I want you. If you cut in here, he's round here, there's your options. And
0: after you do it a few times, it just becomes repetitive. Mm-hmm. And you get to, you take it in again on Saturday. Brilliant, brilliant. Again, just another thing I wanted to touch on was you had a you had another bright this was probably before you faced that moment where you had a bit of a downtime where you had to kind of Learn your game into the pros. It came, it came early, it came easy for you early. You had a game down at Old Trafford and a Mark yeah. Hughes uh, testimony testimonial, you bagged a couple down there, that must have been some some experience. That was amazing. That was amazing
1: because that was at the end of the first wee flurry that I came into the team. Uh, and we went down to playing that testimonial at Old Trafford. And this was I grew up following the Liverpool team with leash, but I, I liked the Man United team of the 90s with Cantona and gigs and schools. I thought that team, you know, people say I'm not so much a, a supporter of a, t- a team to that extent. I like watching good football. Yeah. And I thought the yeah. Liverpool team of the 80s, early 90s was amazing. But then I think Man United took that mantle over. So I had a huge affinity to that team and to play Old Trafford that night and the Celtic fans came in their numbers and to pop up with two goals. It was it
0: was fairy tale
1: stuff. Right? The, Charlie, what, were like? what were the goals like? The first one, uh, I think I, I stole the ball off Roy Keane over on the far side, which is unlike Roy Keane. I'm yeah, uh, surprised he didn't, didn't come and
0: take the legs off you
1: straight after. I, I think I'd maybe just get away from him before he could do that. And then I, I kind of bore down on Steve Bruce at the back and then just kind of shifted it. And it, it it wasn't the cleanest of strikes. It was my left foot. I just kind of shifted it onto my, my left and had a go with it and it's found the far corner. Uh, and the second one, we had Chip Charnley playing for us that night and Chip was pulling the strings in the middle of the park. And I've made a little run centrally uh-huh. and he's found me. And all of a sudden I'm through and goal and the keeper was quite advanced and I've just lifted it over him. So it was both at the straight for the Stretford end as well. So as I say, had I been... I'd been 19 at the time. It was just dream come true stuff. A testimonial, but 19. And back in those days, the testimonials were quite heavily contested. Well, contestant. that's not really.
0: They're not like, they're, they're, it's not like it's the no. way. The testimonials
1: were played quite seriously. Aye, nah, it was probably like the kind of Battle of Britain, before the Battles of Britain and the Champions yeah. League. Yeah. So we were down there to win. Uh, and they, they had some good players on
0: the team. So it was, it was a great night. I was just a- touching on that. I support Rangers and I support Man United. My teenage years were brilliant. I love my teenage years. I was was loving it. Winning winning all the titles. It was a great time. All changed now. I mean, Man U is is rebuilding every season. Rangers...
1: Yeah. I think Man U are showing, although it's only a few games, I think they're showing signs at the moment they're on the right path. We've got some really good young players there that are only going to get better. The boy Fernandez coming in looks a player. Even Pogba, who... She stretches the life out. At times, it right. seems to he's match head on, and when, when he's on song, you know he's a, a world class player.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, you go. You know, you've, you've, we've talked about your, your relationship with Jackie McNamara and, and how that was a great, great period, great time for you. I mean, again, masterstroke by the late Tommy Burns. Um, they reckon it kind of got from reading. They reckon it kind of got ruined when a certain Paolo Di Canio turned up at the club in '96. And that kind of that, that kind of you and Jackie's role kind of came to, came to a bit of an end?
1: Aye, I just think it was, it was competition for places again. Aye. You no, know, was a fantastic player. Uh, and, and Jackie could play in different positions as well. But aye, see, see Celtic, I've spoken to kids about this, even when we were coaching. Celtic, you could have a great season. And starting the next season, you walk in on day one of pre-season, the slate is clean, you have to do it all over again, because mm-hmm. when Hoydonk walks in the door, the Canio walks in the door, Kedetti walks in the door, a little bit halfway through maybe, It's every time that happens, every season, so it's just one of those ones where you have to do it all over again, I mean you, yeah. you, can't, you can't rest in your laurels, especially, I, I, I always feel it's tougher to do it. The homegrown players that have came through, yep. you know, to go and do it again, go and do it again. That's mm-hmm. why I take my hat off to the likes. Forrest does it every year. Forrest yep. is year after year uh, since he, he broke in. McGregor, these guys just year after year because it's tough. Because
0: it is, there's new players come in and it's a, a challenge every year. Mr De Canio, you must have a story. We we want, are we, a wee cheeky story about Mr De Canio from your time with him at Parkhead. I mean, what a character. I mean, he, obviously, as a Rangers fan, he kind of he kind of roughed, roughed. He was that typical kind of player that would rough. But, I, I mean, he was great to watch. Colourful player. I think he wore white boots. That was when he launched his white boots. White um, boots,
1: gold boots, green boots, all sorts of what was, like, what was he like in the changing room?
0: It was larger than life. Long, you
1: know, even some he came in pre-season. I think he ruined with Peter Grant in pre-season when they were on and absolutely tormented him. You know he was taking fish up to lunch and put under his pillow and I think TB had actually put Peter Peter with him to kind of look after him but there was no chance of controlling <laughs> Powell. But it was in a good way, it wasn't it wasn't in a bad way. And yeah I, again he's one of the hardest trainers that I've actually worked with. You know he trained every day. As if it was his last. Mm -hmm. He was unbelievable, fit, loved himself. I mean, there was no hair on his body. Typical Italian. No hair on his body, shaved the legs, everything was shaved. (laughs) Uh, The the hair was jailed back. Uh, But he could play. I mean, he could actually live up
0: to it by the football that he produced. What a talent. Amazing, amazing, amazing to hear. 95. um, it was, it was a big season, you know. You'd you'd not. I mean, I've not really touched on it, but it was tough time for Celtic. And uh, you're obviously you're judged on one thing as a Celtic player and a Rangers player, and that's yeah. who finishes first and who finishes second. And you guys yeah. were obviously coming out coming off second best for for, yeah. most, for a lot of the, for most of the nineties. In um, yeah. ninety five, you got your hands on some some silverware. We won in the won the Scottish Cup. It was a uh, Pierre van Hooydonk, one goal yeah. against Airdrie. Um, how was that campaign, and, and did that? Did you think? Did you
1: think that lifted the spirits of the boys? It, it took the, the monkey off the back. from the, like uh, Paul McSname was the captain. They would went six years without a trophy, which unheard of for mm-hmm. Celtic. Uh, and they they, they experienced about success. They the uh, centenary year eighty eight. Uh, they were used to winning, you know, in the eighty stays and grants. So to go through that period for six years must have been tough for those, those guys. Tommy Burns included, Billy Stark included, because they'd been teammates uh, back in the, the late 80s or the mid-80s. So it was probably a lot more pressure on those guys, Tommy to get a trophy as manager, Paul to get a trophy as skipper. Me as a 19-year-old in there in a Scottish Cup final, I'm just happy to be there. I'm lapping it up, thinking yeah. this will be every year. But she, Certainly wasn't, mm-hmm. but it was a big, a big one for us. It, it, it was a big one, you know, to go and get that silverware, and then we did. He, he brought in another few players after that, and we did kick on. But that Rangers team, for me, is, is the best Rangers team of all time. You yeah. know, people will argue the seventies and whatever, but for me, that that team—McCoy, Gascoy, Laudrup. You know
0: it's ridiculous. Albert, I'm going to
1: come on. I'm going to come on and touch in on a few of the names that you just actually... It's we, we always, that yeah. season, when we got a few players in, we did feel as if getting into those games, we were competing. If you watch a few of them back, and it makes it even more frustrating, you've got a foothold in the game, you're playing really well. You're thinking, We're the team playing football here, and then they would break away, and Gaza would score at Celtic Park, or Louds, it would break away and score. And see the more that happened. The more demoralising it became because you thought, how are we going to get this result against this uh-huh. team? We seem to be playing well, but we can't take it to the next wee bit. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I, really, I really feel that's how the Rangers are feeling at the moment The Celtic yeah. because the game a couple of seasons back at Ibrox where Rangers go in front, Celtic peg them back, Rangers go in front, and Celtic peg them back just before half time and then win 3 2, and land down. Uh-huh. Getting into that dressing room at two weeks, you must have been thinking, We actually need to get two goals in front here. Yeah. You know, and I, I could think back to how their thought, thought process was at that time when, when Rangers were dominating us in, in the
0: late 90s. Even the cup final, the recent cup fight, or was it the semi final? Yeah, yeah. Rangers yeah. played Celtic yeah. 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 off the park, but couldn't put the ball. I mean, Morelos couldn't put the ball in the back. Of but you, you, yeah. you're right, it's like, can not get the monkey off the back right now? We um, yeah. obviously had a good win at Parkhead but they weren't able to go on from that. So it's no. interesting to hear. I mean, you've come from the one end of it of being in that situation. But I mean, yeah. to, get cup, to get the cup, obviously it lifted the spirits. Yeah. I didn't, I've, no, I've not got the year in my head, but there's one game that sticks in my memory and it was the 3 all game. Between, what year was that again, Simon?
1: I think that was 95, 96
0: season. And and what sticks in my memory in that game I'll never forget is Andy Gorham save point blank off Pierre Van Hoidong. I still I cannot understand how he said that. I know. Unbelievable. 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 But what, I mean, those games, those games back then, wow, see, growing up, watching the old farm back then, it was honestly, it was, it, it was so special. You go forward and then it comes to the, the big year. Um, you you did, you, you know, by, the, by the time 95, 96 came around, you were quite settled. You looked like, I mean, you only missed one game in the season. You scored six goals. You know, you were, it seemed like you were very much settling in part of the furniture and you were quite comfortable in, in yourself and your role at Celtic.
1: Yeah, I think just, as you said, I changed my role the team. Uh, some good players had come in to, to lift the team everywhere, every department. Uh, and we did feel as if we were moving forward, uh, playing some great football. You know, we were getting into games then, really get out on a Saturday and expect to score three or four goals. It's a great feeling. That confidence is that high. Uh, and we would do it more often than not. Albeit, we'd, I think we'd 11 draws, which in the end killed us for the for the title. Uh-huh. And then unfortunately we, we slipped up in the, the Scottish Cup semi-final uh, against Falkirk, which ended up in Tommy losing his job over. Uh, which was really disappointing because I think in that short period, he'd been back at the club. he brought Celtic back to Celtic in terms of how we were playing football, exciting football, that had people off their seats, really entertaining football. Uh, and he brought in some top, top players. So it was a shame how that ended. But I did feel we were getting closer. And, and the Rangers team were getting – the Rangers team had been settled for the time they won the – League after league, but we were getting a little bit older as well. Mm-hmm. I think your team in your team in '98 when there was seven
0: or eight new players were a wee bit younger and hungry. You um, you go into the big season then, the, the famous season that you know you probably will never ever forget for as for as long as you live, and that's the '97-'98 season, which is famously known for Celtic stopping Rangers as uh what was going to be ten in a row. Now, yeah. watching on from the outside as a Rangers fan, I had no doubt Rangers will get it to ten in a row. They're not going to slip up at this point when you know they've done it. They've won nine seasons. Obviously, on the other side of the city, you boys were, you know, determined, and it shows a lot of mental toughness as well from from Celtic and the squad. Because when you've been when you've lost the last nine seasons, I mean, it could be quite easy to be a bit demoralised. But when you bring in the likes of Henrik Larsson to your club. You can see why maybe that would lift the spirits. Now, you formed a partnership with Henrik Larson that year. I mean, that's yeah. got to be that's your golden season, Simon. That's your that that's that's D one. You scored 10 goals in 30 league appearances.
1: Yeah.
0: Talk to me about your time. That's talk to me about moments of that season, but obviously talk to me about your partnership with the great Henry Larson. <laughs> that was that was uh, that's one of the
1: highlights of my career. We put played a, a spell. Not sure The many games, might have been 10, 12 games together up top before Harold came in. And then positions got shifted about a wee bit. Uh, but again, I think we touched on it at the beginning about taking our chances. Uh-huh. There's a story that we were going up. We'd obviously not started the season particularly well. We got beat the first two games. And then I think I came in, we played St. Johnson in the, cup in the third game. And I scored a penalty to get us through. And then we went back up there on league duty on Saturday and we won two Henrick and Darren's action school. But we were going into the Tyrrell game in Europe and uh had picked his team and it was Darren and Henrik up front, and I mm-hmm. was on the bench. And I remember obviously being gutted not to start. I think I'd nicked a goal or two and thought I deserved to start, but found myself on the bench, getting up to play in a European night. And Darren took on well on the way up on the on the, the bus, uh-huh. uh, which later was we found out water on the brain and had to have major head surgery. Uh-huh. Needless to say, at the time you can imagine. I don't know if cricket's the same, but there was no sympathy shown on the bus. Yeah, All the boys were claiming that he chucked one in and did a fancy playing? That's happened. That's the
0: biggest The, the
1: old school mentality. It can happen, but you have got to be it, careful. Aye, uh, but it turns out obviously he was genuinely ill, but. The point I'm making is it gave me the chance because Vim came up to me in the bus and says, look, you're going to play up front. Darren's unwell. He can't make it. Uh-huh. So from not playing to playing and then I went in and scored two goals that night with Henrik and had a decent game again, which influences Vim's selection process for the next 10 games. So that, that might never have happened. but I'm grateful it did. Obviously, I don't wish what happened to Darren,
2: uh-huh.
1: but it's new opportunities that, when they come your way, you need to try and take, but playing up front to him, for so, so that short period was a dream, absolute dream.
0: Uh, what, was it, what, what makes him, what, right, obviously I've watched, we've, we've watched him, he's a, he's a genius, but what was it like to partner with him? I mean, does, is he the perfect partner? I mean, all, he strikes me as a guy who's been able to <clears> play with everybody
1: quite comfortably. A team, he's a team player and he's a clever player. Mm-hmm. So. He'll make great runs that will enable me to go and try and find him. He'll slip in little one-twos. He's moving off the ball. It, it, just a team team player, but clever. i, I describe him as a modern Kenny kind of Douglas in that, I wouldn't say, he was electrifying with his pace. He was quick, but everything was a couple of yards ahead, in uh-huh. his head. Uh-huh. He was seeing things quicker than other people see it. And that, that brings out the best in you, if if you're playing with something like that, you know, it can only improve your game, and it was a a dream to play up there, Uh, obviously then things changed a wee bit when Harold came in, Harold found getting more game time up there, I was playing on the right, Jackie had been out, injured a wee bit, I ended up playing out on the right, Uh but for that little spell, we played up, I think we played Liverpool, a Top against oh, come on to that! You team
0: scored team. the AFA Cup, AFA Cup game, big, big tie. I remember it well. I remember it predominantly from McManaman scoring the absolute screamer that oh. shattered, shattered the dreams for you. Yeah, that you, you pinned a, a belter of a penalty in, in, that.
1: Yeah, that's that was a great, great night, and I've watched it back in lockdown actually with my youngest son. Now all the reruns. Yep, yeah, yeah. So one of them was on, and it was late at night. And we sat through the whole 90 minutes and actually sat there and thought, what a great game of football. Yeah. Both teams, both teams going for it, free-flowing, fast-flowing. Watching it with my 11-year-old who hadn't seen it before, it was yeah. great. But, uh, I remember when we got drawn against them, I think it was after we beat Tyrrell, we got drawn against them and, and the excitement and training, everybody was up for it. You know, there was 20-odd players all, everybody wanted to be involved. Yeah. And the level of the training probably went up again. Everybody, you know, on it, trying to get in this team. And, yeah, I think as well, there's always that sense of the English game to the Scottish game. You always want to go and defend your nation or your yeah, league, if I that makes like sense. Mm-hmm. So, we were in there, you know, we were determined to, you not know, make a fool of ourselves. Then. And own scores after a couple of minutes. you are thinking, Jesus, this could be a doing. Yeah. But then we get a foothold in the game. And we became the stronger of the two. And if you watch it back before McManaman's goal, we come down the right hand side, and it gets flashed across the box. We are the team that are going to the third, and the and the jugular effectively uh-huh. killed the tie. Unfortunately, there's nobody in the middle. It breaks the McManaman on the other their right hand side, and the rest
0: is history, as they say. Oh no, man! Watching you know, on that night, I did feel I did feel for you. I've never been one of those old-farm supporters that, you know, like to stick the, stick the knife in when the other team's down. Obviously, when they both play each other, I like to see them Rangers try to beat Celtic. Yeah. But, I yeah. mean, European nights, for instance, when Celtic beat Barcelona a few years back, man, was, it, was, it was unbelievable, unbelievable for the Scottish game. Um, yeah. But yeah, that must have been heartbreaking. What was the changing room like after that? I can't, I
1: can't remember. I think they had I think... We, we took heart from that game. I think that's where we, we really thought we could go and compete with Rangers for the league because seven or eight new players came in. We get beat the first two games. It takes a wee bit of adjusting. Everybody learning how to work with each other in training. All the wee traits and habits that different players have. It clicked that night. And I remember sitting after thinking, we've actually no bad here. We, we could actually go and, and give Rangers a race. And I think we went down to Anfield expecting to get a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, nil-nil. I had a couple of chances. One down at the cop end on my weaker left foot, which I said the scored. But I think over the piece, we, kinda, we came out of that with our heads held high. We should be, and another day we could have went through. And that was a good Liverpool team.
0: Fantastic. Brilliant. I mean, what a moment when you must... How did you, I didn't really get to ask about that. What was the nerves like when you get the penalty? Can just it's hard to explain. It's excitement, you always back yourself with a penalty, don't you're you? You were watching it back with your boy. How did you feel when you're watching it actually? Like could it's
1: you see when I watch it back now? I'm a bag of nerves watching it back now, he he' in off the bar. If you watch me but I'm in off the bar, was like, don't get me wrong, the, the heart would have went yeah. skipped a couple of beats there. Yeah. But again, you're looking I made the excuse, Stevie James fills the goal, he's massive. Yeah. But I had to go there, it had to go there because he actually goes that side. Yeah. You know, it has to go that close to the bar. Not that I meant it to go that close to the bar. Yeah. But I uh, just a
0: wee bit of relief when it goes in. Oh brilliant, brilliant. So the season goes on and it you know it was nip and tuck, nip and tuck, nip and tuck. It comes down to second last game of the season. Yeah. Uh you're playing them firmly. And you score. Yeah. And a one 0 up and seven minutes to go. Dempferman decide to give you a real scare and make you, yeah. you, know, you. You could have been the man whose goal technically stopped ten in a row, yeah. but you were still part of a great season and you were part of stopped yeah. ten in a row. But I mean yeah. that would yeah, That would have been a nice thing to go in the, in the history books. But unfortunately, yeah. it wasn't to be. Dempferman yeah. score with seven minutes to go, one each. What's the what's, when you walk back into the changing room? You must. There must have been some players going mental that day. That was
1: a real. That was a real low. Because Kilmarna could beat you guys the day before. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, it was in our hands, mm-hmm. going to East End Park. And I remember travelling through, and everywhere you looked was green and white. Everybody was going through. There was so many on the ground, mm-hmm. so many outside the ground. Everybody was through expecting us to win the title that day. Mm-hmm. And I think I found myself actually back up front with Henrik. It was Henrik sticks me through for the goal, and then we, as you say, we're 15 minutes away from winning and I, I did think about it because, again, more probably for my, my family and the pride of my goal take is over the line, and then Big Gildy gets stuck whether they come or go for the ball, and Falkenbridge, who's on loan, is even a conferring player, he's on loan yeah. to somewhere, pops up with the goal,
0: so... The, the bus back that night was terrible. That must have been a low point because one the, one the pressures now on. You've not got the monkey off your back for the last nine years, terrible. so now you probably now it's probably the, the, the main games have started. Are we going to screw this up?
1: You know something. It, the, the, the good thing was it was still in our hands. But see, if you ask any player, would they wanted to go and play St. John'son the next day. you just wanted to get back out. You know that feeling when you come away to a result, you're kicking yourself. You can't kind of believe how it's finished, mm-hmm. and to wait a whole week actually made it worse. Right. Made to wait that whole week, the, the build-up, the nerves. <clears throat> the, the great thing about the whole finish of it was obviously Celtic Park with fifty plus thousand. Maybe it, was maybe it was meant to
0: be. That was meant to be. The party was meant to be in Glasgow. Maybe, maybe, but it, we left it close. We left high. <laughs> left it late. And uh, obviously Harold Brattback, he's the one that gets the gets the goal that, that you know settles settles the league. Um, yeah. And the, the final whistle's blown, and the monkey is finally released off the back after nine years. What what I mean? Can you remember much of that that day and that night?
1: Not much about the night. <laughs> <laughs> I think we obviously after the, the final whistle, we were all inside. Fantastic moments in the dressing room. John Higgins had just won the, the world championship yeah. and I think he paraded the trophy uh, maybe at half time of the game yeah. and somebody encouraged him to come in and I, I spoke to John since and John's like I don't want again the, some of them won't know me and whatever and he's came in and obviously all the Scottish boys just started cheering and he was in the huddle was just Brilliant. great scenes and then you went over to the, the, the players lounge where all your parents and Family and friends. Well, it was great moments, and then obviously we come back out. At this point, you don't realise most of the Celtic fans were on the pitch. Right. By the time we came back out, they'd managed to get them back off the pitch so that we could get presented with the trophy. But you know, looking back at the scenes the next day in the paper or whatever, and you've seen all the fans on the pitch and what it meant to them. You know, after so many years, it's, it's special. When, as I say, been lucky enough to see it a few times in lockdown over. The last few months, it?
0: yeah, it's it's pretty special. Listen, well, your boys must be. You must. It must have been probably been a good time for me. To kind of showed show what dad was part of. Um, what age? your boys 11, eleven. What what age is the other?
1: Yeah, uh, 14 and seventeen. Oh. So none of them. They all
0: miss Celtic. A great time for you to kind of show re- relive some moments and let them know that their old dad was a. Was a bit. Was a bit, Was a serious bowler back in the day. Something I want, sure. I want to go into now. And this is a big memory in my life. You. You have a great season, and uh, uh, Mister Craig Brown. <clears throat> funny story, actually. Um, we had went out to um, uh, a a, train, a training camp as an under fifteen Scotland team cricket team in Inverclyde, and yeah. Scotland were out no. there. Scotland were out there doing something, and Craig yeah. Brown came over and did like a, a wee 10 minute wee speech with us just to kind of, you know, say, you know, I mean, such a soft... Was that, was that before, before 98?
1: Before 98? No, uh, I we, we might
0: have been there. You, no, I think was we, were the yeah. we were in the nah, game. Right. We were in the we, game. Right. We, were, we, were, we were over in a, in, a, in a... We were in a different part of it, but somebody yeah. managed to approach Craig and say, can you come and speak to the boys for five minutes? And we were like, we were buzzing, Craig, you know, under fifty. Mm-hmm. Craig Brown comes over to have a chat with us, but you were named in the, you were named in the, the 98 France World Cup squad. Um, yeah. The last time we were in a big major tournament. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, yeah. First of all, when you get the call, how did you feel?
1: It was an amazing moment because we, were, we went to Portugal right after we won the league to play Sport Lisbon. It was yeah. something to do with the Cadete deal. Yeah. And we were obliged to go over and play. It was a nothing game, really. And we were out there, and can imagine the beers were flowing after the game. We were, we were out there for a party more than anything else, but we had to play the game first. Uh-huh. So when we were flying back, it was the day that the, the squad was announced, and we were all coming through security. I can't remember if it was in Portugal or back in Glasgow. And one by one, we were getting the text, he's in, he's in. I think there was seven or eight of us made it in the end, but we uh-huh. will never forget, you know, the, the kind of snake that you come through security, we're all queued right? in there, we're uh, all queued in there and they're all high-fiving, he's in brilliant, you in great, and it was all good. just getting text, through. it was a really good moment, as I say, seven or eight eighties went, yeah. so it, was a, it was a good deflection on how well we did in the season, but great to be picked for that, you know, it's, that's the pinnacle, you, you go
0: and win the league with Celtic and then you're called up to your, your national squad for the World Cup, it was great. So you're sitting on the bench, unfortunately, you didn't get you didn't get on the pitch, but that's no that's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, you were around a a strong strike force that went out to that World Cup. I mean, if I'm right in saying Kevin Gallagher, Gordon Jury, one of my mm-hmm. favorite players, Gordon Jury, was well, just solid, man, really proper, proper striker. Darren Jackson was there. Scott Booth, mm-hmm. Aberdeen, Scott Booth, good crack, cracking mm-hmm. player, and yourself. So it was, I mean, it was it was it was a it was a good 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 pack of you there. So you've gone from winning the you you've, you've, you know you've stopped ten in a row, and then you turn up at the opening game of the World Cup and you've got the you've got the Brazilians. I mean, I've been to a Cricket World Cup before. I went out to South Africa for the 2007 T20 World Cup. Now obviously you've a great you've done a great squad, with the Scotland team. But you go out there and you you're not likely to win the tournament. So you know when you're going to come up against the big boys, I.E. in cricket Australia, South Africa. Oof, you're up against it, and you're maybe looking at a few guys and thinking. Bloody hell, man! He's, he's, he's a serious player. I, I mean, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Roberto Carlos. Were you? I mean, were you having a wee in the warm up? Were you having a wee? Were you, were you having a wee peek to see what they were getting up to? It
1: was, it was ridiculous. We were queuing to uh, we were queuing in the tunnel to come out for for the game. We'd yeah. obviously turned up in the kilts. Social media wasn't a big thing, so we would kept that quiet. And it was a a great response off the, the Scottish fans making out yeah. their kilts. We're lined up to come out, and they're all looking a million dollars. Every one of them standing there, tanned. Ronaldo's got these silver boots that nobody's ever seen before, but they're all transfixed. I wanted to
0: look at the size
1: of those calves. Honestly, they're standing there, and I was just transfixed to his his boots. I was like, and me, Bruni, came wandering out at the back and just said to the boys. Look at look at them! Look at them! They're shaking themselves. <laughs> they were anything but. It was just as we had to trying to cameras down. us yeah, You know, yeah. we were are we standing there in awe of this Brazil team. But to open the, the World Cup, you know, the Stade de France against such a, a famous national team it was it was amazing. We, were, we went close as well,
0: you know. Last I was say, back you know, I mean, they score. They score early. Which, like you said, phone yeah. in the UEFA game, you must be thinking, "Oh shit, this could, the, yeah. the floodgates could open here." Yeah. And I remember, my I grew up, I, I grew up just next to Langside College. Mum and dad, mum and dad lived there. And I don't know if you know, you, you know Battlefield Road, and you've got mm-hmm. there, a couple of pubs in Battlefield Road, and there was quite an atmosphere. I could hear that, could hear the fans. I was only only a wee boy at the time, and yeah. we get the penalty just before, not long before half time. John Collins and I'm thinking, he's going to miss it. Like, it's Scotland against Brazil. It's just no meant to be. Yeah. Um, and John Collins, cool as a cucumber. Yeah, slotted it. Put, slotted it away. What was it like on the, what, were you, what was the nerves like on the bench at that point when he got the penalty?
1: Just, I, I expected him to score it. I'd obviously played him at Celtic, and he'd taken penalties at Celtic. Uh, quite a cool customer when it comes to that sort of thing. So I, I fancied him for the penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just brilliant, you know, and then to lose it in the way we did, you know, boyd he makes a joke of it now. I uh, work the Boyd at Celtic regular yeah. now and really unfortunate, it just bounces off him, you know. Was so, yeah, it was a, a disappointing one, but a, 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 great, a great opening to the World Cup, you know, to go there and,
0: and play on that,
1: that platform.
0: Even big Colin Henry, I remember a moment at one point in the game, he, he did a couple of keepy-ups. The middle of the and the commentator made a joke like, Is it Scotland that's the Brazil team? Is it Brazil? You know, mm. played a pro, but again, it's always, this, it's unfortunately still a bit the same, isn't it? We're always so close yet, so far, because we 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 played a very competitive game against Brazil that day. Unfortunately, mm. we went on in the next game and we had a good one all draw against Norway. Was that a game that that you hoped that we would? I mean, to be honest, at the time, you're probably looking at the Morocco game thinking, If we get a point against Norway, we should beat Morocco.
1: Yeah, I fancied this. I fancied this against Norway and Morocco. I thought I thought we could we could win both, but the Morocco game just went from bad to worse from the start. Uh, I think Bulawaye scored against uh, Norway. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get three points. So you're going into that last game with quite a bit of pressure on you. And I, I don't remember much about it. Apart from, you know the stupid things I remember. Craig getting sent off after. He's hair dyed. He went and dyed his hair blonde. I think the Romania team had dyed their hair blonde, so he went away up the, the town where we were staying, Saint Remy de Provence, and get his hair dyed for a laugh. Right. <laughs> and then proceeded to get himself sent off, which didn't help us. But I can't remember much about the game. I remember I, the just... boy Hadji, and I mean, I'm not
0: talking obviously about the Romania right. Hadji, but it was a boy Hadji at Yeah. yeah. And yeah. He, running riot. he ran riot in that game. And broke right. Scotland's hearts because going into that
1: game, you're thinking, oh, we should beat Morocco here. We should get we, yeah. We're going to get through. Yeah. No, we'd, we always fancied ourselves, but as I say, I can't, I don't remember much about the game. It, it was the third game, and I hadn't been involved, and I was, no well, probably was from a selfish point of view. I was just wanting on the park. You yeah. Know, I wanted, even at 3 0, I think we'd, we'd one sub left, and he's told, I think it was me and Scott Booth to go out and warm up. Mm uh-huh. If I remember right, I can't, and I just remember coming back and whoever it was, if it was Scott or whoever, maybe it one. you know, it was a third sub and that was, that was almost, the, well it was, it was the realisation, you're not getting a game here, you're, not, yeah, you're yeah. not getting on the turf and I just, even just to be on for a couple of minutes, get like a kick in the boat. and say, so you would I'd have taken that, uh, but unfortunately wasn't it wasn't it. Well listen,
0: me? you're talking to a guy that went to a World Cup and didn't play either, so on the no, field, no, <laughs> We've something in common. Something something the government, I mean you know I even look back at like Euro ninety-six, France ninety-eight, you know, great, great, great times. Euro ninety-six obviously if David Seaman hadn't let like, the goal in against the nice. Dutch, we would have got yeah. through. Um yeah. I thought we played Brown against England in the game as yeah. well, and you know, McAllister missed the penalty. It's always clutch yeah. hearts, you know, we do tend to get they do tend to get broken. Um but yeah. fingers crossed, sometime in the future. Somebody gets us to our tournament because it's been it's been a long long time now since the last time. Um, yeah. Moving moving on then, a big game I want to touch on with you. We're still at Celtic, big game twenty first of November nineteen ninety eight. Um, a famous day, you know. You've, you've you've stopped in a row and then you go on and you get a, a victory of five one was it against against yeah. Rangers and a and yeah. a big chap came into the uh, you know one of my favourite players that played for Celtic. You actually posted something on Instagram the other day, he announced that he's, he's either arrived on Instagram. Lubo, Lubo scored yeah. two. I believe you assisted with a couple of goals in that game as well. Talk to me about yeah. that, eh? It was
1: an amazing game. Lubo had, Dr. Joe taking over. Vim had obviously been for the season, uh, which was bizarre. But then Dr. Joe certainly yeah,
0: Sorry, I was meant I do have that down. Wim Jansen, you, you stop 10 in a row and then you go, that's the, is that, is that, that sounds like politics from a boardroom.
1: A I, I, I just think there was maybe one or two. Wim's never told his story and I've heard these bits over the bits over the years, but I think there was maybe some players that he was looking at for the following season that he was maybe getting. And we went to Portugal, as I said there, and the next thing we're getting taken out of a bedroom as a, as, a, as a squad. and I think we get addressed by the captain saying Vim's no longer the manager, he's, he's stepping down, which is sad because I I really liked Vim. I thought he was a, a calm influence on our team that year, loads of experience, really good coach, and achieved you know the, one of the most important seasons in, in the club's history. So just bizarre. I think somebody should do a film of it or a or a book. You know, it's a it's a crazy season that one. But, uh-huh. Dr. Joe then came in and without Dr. Joe, you know, you, th- you see things happen for the reason. Without Dr. Joe, Mr. Maravchik might not be at the club because yeah. nobody, nobody knew him apart from Dr. Joe. her mm-hmm. uh, ignorance of maybe other, other leagues in, in the world, he'd, he'd been a superstar in France. Zidane had classed him as one of the best number 10s mm-hmm. which you can't get a higher accolade. But Dr. Joe had worked him and said, You know, this is a player I want. And then obviously he's mocked for his age. And even if we'd been honest, him coming in, like, who's this guy? Never heard of him. He's 30 plus. Blah blah blah. (laughs) Then he steps onto the training pitch and he's whipping things in with his left and he's whipping things in with his right, and he's outside of the right and outside of the left. Uh Like, wow, wow. And he, he he went to play, I think his debut was against Dundee. I think we turned him over six, if I remember rightly. He was trapping things his backside. He was whipping crosses in. Like you would normally whip something in with the inside. He was whipping things out of pace with the outside. foot on people's heads and stuff. And Dan,
0: like, no wonder the Dan said that. Oh, Dan amazing.
1: amazing. The fans just, fans take the players like that. Just class, class players. You can, again, get you on the edge of your seat. And then the next game, as you say, was the Rangers game. And I've actually tried to play it in. I think I've caught Henrik in the corner of my eye, and I've tried to play it in there. And Henrik been clever, stepped, he knows Lubo's the other side. He's mm-hmm. just stepped over it, and Lubo's just took it to his side and lashed into the bottom corner. Yeah. And I think if you watch back, I'm the first guy gets him. And he's just standing there. The crowd, the roar of the crowd, he's just standing there as if, What's this all about? Aye, what's this all about? What, know, what, would great, what, would he,
0: what would he have played in front of before he, when he came to here, the
1: team he sure I'm not sure. He, he wouldn't have played in front of anything of that yeah. spectacle mm-hmm. uh, in France. I mean, he played with Etienne and various teams uh, back home as well, but I think that would have been... His, you could tell by his expression when the first goal was in. Uh, and then he scores a great header in the second half. I think Boyd, he stuck it in front he rises and puts a great head around Again, just a, a, another special night, because as you've quite rightly reminded me at the beginning, you know, all those years of struggle against Rangers, particularly when I was at the club from when I the first team, we win the league, and then to go and beat your rivals by five, yeah.
0: it's a special night. No, it so sounds, sounds like, and to play with again, Lupo Henrik Larsson, to play in the same pitch these kind of guys. I mean, you're a great, fantastic player in your own outright, but these guys are these guys are, are legends. I mean, Henry Larson, yeah. one of the best football players in the world, and Lupo kind of strikes me as a guy that went under the radar, really. Probably should have been a bigger name than what he was.
1: Well, again, I think he did star in France. I think just because we don't focus on, you know, I think you watch the, these leagues a wee bit more now because there's more coverage back then. There wasn't that much coverage yeah. of it. But I wish, I mean, after I, I left in 99, and I think for the next two seasons, it was. I remember watching him, he scored a couple of Ibrokes. He starred against Juventus in the Champions League. You know, he, he really had a, a good couple of seasons after I left as well, yeah. and you just wish
0: we'd gotten younger. You know, no, he'd at a younger age. He probably, he might, have, might have been, might, if you had him in that team, maybe a year or two before, it might, have, might have changed a couple, couple, of the results. You never know. You yeah. Never know. Some, something I want to just touch on before we move off, because obviously, '99, um, as you mentioned, you left, you left Celtic. And we'll, we'll come on to that, but I do want to quiz you on a few of the Rangers players. Um, yeah. My favourite player of all time, Brian Laudrup. What was it what 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 was he like to be on the park again? Strikes me of what first of all as well as an absolute gentleman of a of a person. Um but as a footballer, just him and his brother were amazing, but he was fantastic at yeah. Rangers.
1: Yeah, just too good at times. Loud, just too good. You know, it made the game look so easy. And uh, a real, with four or five of them, there was, a, there was a real thorn in the side for us, you know, as I say, we pop up in games, sometimes maybe quiet and then one bit of magic, would be away for somebody in, in the back of the net. A fantastic yeah. player, as I say. I grew up watching his brother, 86 World Cup, who's a fantastic player for, for Barca and Real as well. But Brian, aye, the biggest compliment. He made the game when he was here look unbelievably easy.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Gascoigne?
1: Another genius of a footballer. Mm-hmm. Uh, very difficult to play against. I remember he, he always got the arms up, didn't he, he uh, well, Gaza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caught me caught me in the windpipe at Hamden, honestly. I thought I thought that was me away right the arm. Yeah. But crazy as well, do would always be verbals on the on the pitch. I remember playing against him when I went to Sheffield and he was with Middlesbrough and it was a reserve game. And he's he's congratulating you on passes and he's said, well done there, wee man, and you know, just always talking on the pitch. Yeah. But, again, a player who, in his time at Rangers and everywhere else he's been, you know, produces moments of genius.
0: I, I, Unfor-
1: unfortunately for us at the time, they two were in
0: the same bloody team. Aye, well, that's what I was going to say. They, they were they were a big factor um, in, yeah. in a lot of that success in that period. Um, one goal, I remember one of my last Champions League games, I went to Ibrox, and it's funny you say that with Gaza with the arms. Because he goes in a run against Soya Bucharest and he's got the arms up and he was just holding him off, holding him off and he yeah. tucked it in the bottom corner. Um, you know, get, I mean, to another, another great player. It's funny, who, I'll test your knowledge here. In that 5-1 game, who scored for Rangers? Van I will remember. Another, I mean... What, also, yeah.
1: also a great player and I went on to play Arsenal-Barcelona. It's, some, it's, some, it's, proper, some proper players, some it's, proper players,
0: players that played at Celtic and Rangers in the nineties. Honestly, it's yeah. that's when it was also talked about quite a lot that Rangers and Celtic might go and join the Premier League. Yeah, I reckon they yeah. would have, I reckon back then it would have been you. Uh, would have been a chance of being you know top seven, top six, top seven. There was they were that. there were Rangers and Celtic were that good. Well, um, yeah. I would say, I would see higher. I would see higher if you gave them the chance. Yeah, no, were they, with, with those with those players. I think so. I think so. I think the game would have got raised as well, coming up against the Man U's and the bigger clubs. I think they would have raised their game. So 99. Um, do I say sadly? It must I mean it? Must have been a sad time for you. You 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 on a Bosman transfer, along with a um, good friend of yours, the the late fellow Um You departed to go to Sheffield Wednesday to play in the Premier League. What was the feelings like there?
1: Uh, Mixed now, looking back at the time, I did seven years there, and I've been asked this a million times, you know, there was was loads of reasons, I I was 24, it was maybe my only chance at going to play in the Premiership, you never know, I think Sheffield Wednesday, I think Everton had made some sort of interest, and... I chose, say, for Wednesday, with Phil. The two of us decided we were going to give it a go. Uh-huh. And again, people said, oh, can you leave Celtic? Can you leave Celtic? It was, you know, like, seven years for me at Celtic were great. But again, I was the most, I was, I was quite a shy guy growing up. At 17 coming through. I was more comfortable on the football pitch than any of the, the stuff away for the game. Uh-huh. And... That was one of the the things I thought, I'm going to give it a go down here. I'm going to go to the Premiership and and give it a go with Sheffield. Looking back on it, it probably if I was advising myself at 24 now, I would be, and it's no disrespect to anybody at Sheffield Wednesday, but it wasn't the the right time or the right club. They were were struggling at the bottom of the the league. I came from a team where you'd 80, 90% of the the play attacking suited my game. Uh And that's why there's a hundred different reasons for permutations whether you go to the right club. Henrik coming to Celtic, perfect marriage, you know, he came mm-hmm. to final to a club here on a on a platform where he could go and do his bit, he'd trust the manager, he'd deliver the fans, when mm-hmm. he went there. You know, I think if I was advised myself, as I say, as an agent or a advisor at twenty-four, if I if I was to move. I possibly should have went and looked to go abroad. It would maybe have suited my playing style a little bit better. As I say, that's not to take anything away from, because I went down to Sheffield, and although the football and had injuries and wasn't as good, nothing was as good as Celtic after Celtic. I still was four good years there of life experience. I had my mate down there with me. We were living in each other's pockets, because we were down there with my my fiance at the time, he would his wife and a couple of young kids. Uh I wouldn't have had that time with him, so everything he say happens for a reason. My oldest son was born in Sheffield. I've got a lot of good memories from there, but the football just didn't match what I'd left. And that's, that's the way it goes. You know, you make decisions and you just have to go with it.
0: Well, listen, it was still, there's still positives that came out of it. You know, not everything in life works out the way you want, you know, the way you want it to be. And, you, you, you know, you talked about your time there with a good mate. Phil O'Donnell, sadly yeah. sadly in, in, in 2007 correct correct me if i'm wrong please i, I believe yeah. it was 2007 and um, was mm-hmm. substituted on a game playing for motherwell and sadly suffered a, a heart attack and, and and passed away i mean you, you must do that i mean obviously you mentioned they're married and a, and a, and a couple of kids and that you know that's I, i've seen my i've seen my family i've lost a younger brother and i've, I've experienced i've experienced loss in the family like he was a young man, a uh, big mate of yours,
1: obviously. I mean, how how do you, how do you how how are you feeling? Yeah, uh, oh, it was just terrible for everybody. He's got four kids, by the way, four four beautiful kids. Uh, and a real family man, you know. We used to, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met, to be honest, and lucky enough to be a friend. Played with him at Celtic. Remember him coming through at Motherwell, and I was still at school, I went to watch the 91 Cup final, we friends uh, friends and family, we supporters, and I remember watching Phil, so I remember getting really excited at Celtic when Tommy was going to sign him, because I knew how good a player he was, mm-hmm. but obviously, a couple of years older than me, but there was a as in that team, Jackie included, we all kind of hit it off, we were all the same kind of age, a lot of partners got on, we all kind of hung about. Yeah. So as I say, that's that, that four years stretch down at Sheffield had some great times, you know, the families because it was, he had a lot of injuries at Sheffield, I had a lot of injuries, we were stuck in that bloody treatment room or the gym, cajoling each other on, trying to get ourselves back fit, we were getting a lot of sticks saying, oh, i are just here, pick your money up, you don't want to play, which is mental, any player wants to play, it's a short career,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we had some real kind of tough times down there, but we ultimately got through them and probably grew closer there because when he was up here, he was in Hamilton, I was his school bride, so he would always disperse. He'd maybe meet up at the weekend, but he'd disperse during the week. Whereas down there, he was around at ours for dinner. We were around at theirs for dinner. We were at their kids' Christmas. They were over at birthdays at ours. We lived together, you know, so I'm I'm thankful for that time that I had them. No, it's, um,
0: I, you know, my love goes out to...
1: Out to his family are, are you still still in touch still in touch with them now yeah 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 the kids are kids are well two of them are adults now. yeah uh, you know they're getting getting older as well but yeah we keep in touch uh we see them I actually did a, a charity thing with his his oldest daughter we did the west Highland way a few years back she wanted to do something uh so we organized that so we've did one or two things over the years uh that's good to hear
0: but it's important to keep in touch, them. No, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. Um, so you left, your Wednesday, um, 2000, I mean, 2001, 2002. There was a bit, yeah, it just sounded like a, a time that was a, a tough time. Um, you know, probably quite mentally challenging. Injuries, yeah. and, you know, relegation yeah. from the Premier League. You know, nothing, yeah. there was quite a lot of things that just didn't go, didn't go right. Not, not just you personally, but the team in general. I
1: was yeah. talking to you, did you go to Coventry on trial? I mean, Phil both went to Coventry. That was, that was weird. We both went... Uh, so Gary McAllister and Eric Black were the management team. Right. And it was just coming to the end. It was 2003, in fact, because we had four years at Sheffield. And uh, they asked us to go to Germany with them. Uh, to a pre-season, effectively.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we went there and we played games. But I can't, I can't remember if I was struggling... I, I, I think I'd just came back at the end of that season for an injury again and played maybe two games. Phil was the same. So the two were out of shape. We weren't as fit as we, sh- we could have been. Mm-hmm. And we never did ourselves any justice there. I remember I remember he got pulled in first when we came back for Germany. And he got told, that nah, we're not taking you. And these are guys that we'd, we'd worked with Eric at Celtic. We'd been with Gary at Scotland. So it was difficult for them as well but we're not taking you." So he's come out and he's kind of shrugged the shoulders. Nah, I'm not there. And I went in and the two is actually, we, we didn't laugh about it, but we are getting the car back to Sheffield and thought, it's, it's not meant to be this one. It's not meant to be. It mm-hmm. meant if we if we had got the if we had got the job, I think it was an hour and a half to Sheffield, we'd have had to move again. It just didn't feel right, but we were mm-hmm. only given the opportunity anyway, so it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we just had my first son. And I think, in all honesty, my wife was ready to come back up the road. You yeah. know, the family network here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was kind of one of the things at the back of my mind. I think if I'd, if I'd been lucky enough to get another club down south at that point, I could quite easily be still there just now, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. yeah. it have maybe led to different things. But because my, my time at Sheffield wasn't particularly good, I'd had a few injuries. I had this label sitting over my head, oh, he's injury prone. So it probably put a lot of teams off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I ended up coming back up to St. Johnston who had a familiar face to me, Billy Stark. He knew what he was getting with me mm-hmm. and wanted to give me a year back there. I was 27 at that point. I
2: mm-hmm.
1: wanted to get me going again. Uh, and it was somebody who I trusted from my time at Celtic as well. Mm-hmm. He says, come back up here. We'll get you playing
0: 30, 40 games and see where you go from there. mm mm-hmm you've done well you, you, had a, you, you stayed injury, injury free that season uh, a decent season you scored eight scored eight goals you played yeah. pretty much uh, you played pretty much every featured in every single league match so yeah. that must have been a time where your spirit started lifting up again you've had a bit of a tough stint you're back home again you're around all the family network like you say think, I mean I know from going down south and playing cricket it can become yeah. or going to South Africa and Australia for six months it can become a bit of a lonely place sometimes I mean you had your family with you but you would have been missing the rest of the family
1: I started enjoying my football again you know it wasn't at a level of English Premiership it wasn't at a level at Celtic but it was at a level where I was enjoying myself again I was playing with some old players that I'd played with before Jamie McQuilkin at Celtic Brian McLaughlin at Celtic Big Ian Maxwell for, for Queen's Park I was playing in a team where I started to enjoy my football again I knew I was playing regular I knew I was injury free I knew I had a manager that trusted in me you know, a guy who at 70 minutes, if you've maybe knowed the best of games, other guys would be taking you off. But he knew with what he had, we may leave him on. One wee bit of magic here, might get us a goal or something. Yep. That, gives, that gives a player a lift. Gives mm-hmm. a player a huge lift.
0: So I really enjoyed my, my year there. That's no, good. And then you went, you moved, uh, moved to Dunfermline uh, two years. Wasn't as... He, Injuries kind of drifted in a wee bit again um, at the yeah. I mean, you, had, you had 40 odd appearances for them, but you probably yeah. would have wanted to, to play a wee bit more over two, over two years. What were the injuries that were coming in, Simon, at that point in your career? Uh, I
1: always had problems. See, see my middle, my, uh, my glutes and my hamstrings. Looking mm-hmm. back now, sports science, I would have worked on all that when I was playing, but back yeah. then you didn't have that. I used to get in and bench press. I thought, yeah. oh, I'm a wee guy, I need to be strong, but everything comes for your core yeah. and your legs. So I always used to see, get problems with that area. I think with the pitch there, it didn't help. I broke my foot, which might be the only time I broke anything in football. Well, that's definitely, foot
0: that's definitely going to cause you problems as a football player. Aye, that was against
1: Celtic as well, I broke my foot. Uh, but yeah, I went to filming again on the back. I think Starkey lost his job. And I didn't like the way that that had been dealt with. I thought, I'm, I'm not hanging about here.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: I thought if he did another go at that, we might have won that league the following year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I had the chance to go to Dunfermline with David Hay, who were back in the Premiership. So it was another wee level up for me. And again, they came off the back of a good period with Jimmy Calderon. There was a lot of good players there as well, at, at Dunfermline, And I enjoyed that as well. I enjoyed my experience there. Uh, Leishman in, Big Jim came in. In the second season, uh, I remember him taking me out of the office and saying, listen, we're, we're not going to keep you on. We're going down a different direction. That's fine. I can I can accept that. You know, people being honest with you,
0: not a problem. And then I obviously moved to, to Partick Thistle. That must have been a nice time for you. Back to back to Glasgow. Back to the city of Glasgow. You know, local yeah. to, you know, if any of the family want to come and watch you or anything, it's, 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 it's a lot easier. I mean, I know you would yeah. have been playing in Glasgow every other week occasionally, but you know, probably had a lot of travel with St Johnston and the Dufferin stuff. So being back home, you know, West End of Glasgow, yeah,
1: it must have been quite enjoyable for you. It was my favourite period out with Celtic, Partick. You know, I went there and played a right few seasons, most appearances out with Celtic. Again, played with some good players there, some good dressing rooms, some some friends that I, I still have to this day. Uh, I really enjoyed the atmosphere of Fahill Hill, Partick. As I say my friends could get to the games, my dad could get to the games. I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. You know, I was, I was quite settled there. I think McCall came in, uh, Dick Campbell took me there, Ian McCall came in. And <laughs> the way it went, you always found it was one year contracts. You know, there was none of this lucrative three, four, it was one year contracts.
2: Yeah.
1: And he, he let me go in May at the end of the season because the club wouldn't want to pay me in June and then he'd bring me back in, in July, I think. I think he knew the type of play he was getting. Yeah. And it also kind of suited me. It was an environment where I was comfortable with. I liked the training. I liked the boys, you know, uh, and I just, I, I did, I enjoyed playing with Partick.
0: No, it sounds, like, sounds like a good time that kind of like, led you into a bit of management with, with yeah. him as well, as an assistant yeah. to, your, um, yeah. your, to, your, to your chum, who pretty yeah. much from that moment on, it's the, it's the McNamara and Donnelly show. I mean, you, you boys, um, you know, had a lifetime together. How was that going into into the different... I think you were still... Were you kind of doing a player and, and management role?
1: No, I wanted to, but he, he, he retired me. I wanted to play, but he he said he wanted me in the, in the, the dugout with him. Uh, and he'll tell everybody that to this day. <laughs> we did have that discussion. I says, well, I think I was 35. I think yeah. I can still do a job. He was like, no, I want you in the, the dugout eyes and ears in here with me in the dressing room and whatever so that was when I had to make a decision but I'd, I'd never really gave it much thought you know I was, had the thought about the coaching side of it but when he asked me I thought "Yeah, I'm going to give this a go I'm going to help him and, and do our best and it was a wee bit weird because a lot of these guys I'd played with for two, three, four seasons yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden you're were coach Yeah. but I think we adapted to it well, we had five games to, to get the job And we got the job. And then the next season was a wee bit up and down. We were acquiring players from from everywhere. We didn't have the biggest of budgets. But by the the second season, we had a team in place, which really hit the ground running at the start of that season. And I watched the football played. I watched that back now, and there's some real good football there. It was all boys that were getting a second chance.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Welsh for Hibbs, Forbes and Lawless for Motherwell. All these guys that had maybe rejected a wee bit mm-hmm. but could play football and we gave them a, a wee bit of belief there and a, a platform to go and show what they could do and obviously we didn't quite get to the end of that season because Dundee United came looking for us and we thought that was a good opportunity to go to another level and yeah. obviously Archie came in and, and Partick won the league that year so it was, it was great being part of that uh, and it some good times you know we, t- we, we took them down to Catterick a couple of times pre-season and it really Karthik uh, Army Barracks was one of the, the guys, uh, a Partick Thistle supporter, John Lilly, got us down there. And it really was an education to all of us, the, the staff and the players, about what these guys go through. and uh, they, they took them in a few sessions. And again, looking back on that, I think that really instilled a group bond with that, 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 that group that we brought to Partick at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it stood us in good stead for what we went
0: on to achieve. that's, that's, that's great. And then Dundee United j- around January two thousand and thirteen. Um, you 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 went you you stayed kept the dream team together. You and Jackie went over there. How was uh How was your time at Dundee Dundee United? Dundee United was a tail tale of two halves. We went in mean, and obviously had a lot a lot
1: to do at the beginning. Uh, to reduce the wage bill but strengthened the team. There was yeah. a few guys that we had to let go. And we brought a couple in for Partick. Uh, we brought Sifji in through Pierre van Hoydonk. Uh And obviously the, the cracking young players that we had there. That we, Jackie got Andy Robertson in for, for Queen's Park. And for a spell, we were flying. Absolutely mm-hmm. flying. Some of the football we played, I think there was a period we went 4-4-4-5-4. Four, 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 Mm-hmm. In terms of goals scored, yeah, we went to Motherwell and battled Motherwell. And Stuart McCall said it was the best display a team had, including Rangers or Celtic, had came to Motherwell.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Some phenomenal football at that time. Uh, got ourselves to the cup final. Unfortunately, it beat off our bogey team, my old team St Johnston, mm-hmm. and and that was probably the, the kind of start of the slide for us there. It kind of mm-hmm. turned quite quickly, but for a period, it was it was great, you know. Some real talent in that team. Some real young
0: talent, uh, and they were a joy to work with and a joy to watch. so no, It sounds like sounds like sounds like a good time. But sport is cruel, especially when you're in management. You, oh, can, be a, you, can, be you can be a hero one week, two weeks down the line, people are calling for your throat. So it's just it's just the nature of the beast. 2015, you um, you go down south. Is that right? You go to York. You go to York City. Um, yeah. That was quite a big decision to make at, at, at the time, obviously with with family and stuff like that. Did, I mean, did you just travel? How did that work? How did the logistics work? There was Jackie,
1: myself, and Craig Hinchliffe, the the, the goalie coach. That was the, the three of us. But we just we commuted, so we would go down at the start of the week. We'd get the you get the one minute past six train for to central, get into yeah. New York at nine, yeah. and go and train and work away for the week. And then depending on where we played. <coughs> at the weekend, we'd try to get back up the road, see the family for a night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it wasn't na- was na- ideal.
0: And see uh, if you're flying... It doesn't, would, like, it doesn't you know, sound like your, kids would have been, your, your, your son would have been getting older at that point now. No, nah, nah, it wasn't na- was na- perfect. Uh,
1: but if you're winning games and you're moving in the, the direction that you want to be, mm-hmm. you maybe tolerate that a wee bit more. But we weren't. We were struggling. We didn't have the dressing room for whatever reason. And you're out you're you're out your you can not pull in your network there. For example, you can't go to a Pierre Van Hoydonk and bring in a SIFT because a SIFT wouldn't play at York. Yeah. Couldn't afford them and they wouldn't play see you you can't use the tools that you've got. Yeah, if if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it was it was very hard like the year at York. Very hard. Uh and probably the, the
0: least enjoyable of my management spell. I mean where I mean, what have you, have you gone on to? Uh, what, what other management have you gone? Did you go on to do more management after that time? No, that was my last my last job in uh, senior
1: football. Uh, since then, I've, I've got a few different business ventures now. Yeah, uh, that I'm that I'm quite happy with. I get no, asked, man,
0: tell me about. I know you've got a I know you've got a bar out in Spain with Jackie. Yeah. that that must have that that must have taken a wee bit of a hit recently. Obviously with. Aye, only, it
1: only opened last Saturday, so it's okay. not been ideal, Everybody, else, everybody's in the same boat I guess, yeah. uh, we opened in September, with some really good nights, we had the opening night with Lugo Mirabji over, we had a few players over for Q&A's, uh, we tried to take it away if it would just been Celtic, with Keith Gillespie, Don Matteo came out, with some cracking nights, you know, just to read really... And then obviously things happened, you know, with... Well, it, t- it tails, tends to tail down towards December, so that was a quiet month anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. But then,
1: just as we're hitting February, March of this year, where I think we had loads of stuff with McAvaney and Tony Cotty lined up for May for a West Ham night. Yep. Our plans with a big Celtic event over there as well. At
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, one of the hotels, with ten former players lined up, so that all took a hit. That all yeah. got cancelled. So. As I say, everybody's in the same boat. I'm sure I'm sure we'll come back bigger and stronger. But it's, in a, it's in a different one. It's exciting. We're in it the two other guys. It's a four-man four team. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's quite, quite exciting. We've had a lot of good feedback. And a lot of people say they're going to go out. It's accessible. Malaga's like two hours, two and a half hours. It's yeah. only minutes down the coast. So hopefully we'll have some, some good nights ahead in there. No, I hope. Well,
0: I, I keep my fingers crossed you. Obviously, slowly but surely. Because obviously... It'll be, it'll be social distancing to start with. You can't all pile in just yet. Um, oh. final, final moments of this. I want to just fire some quick questions at you. Lined up a couple of questions. Nothing I want you to think too long about. Just fire, fire them back, what comes to your mind. So, who's the best you ever played against? Robert
2: Prozorecki.
0: Okay. Who's the best in Scotland? That I've played against? it probably need to be or gas coin. Okay. Um, who's the toughest opponent you played against? Uh, toughest?
1: It's a, it's a hard one that I can only think of the time I, I came back to Celtic Park with Unfermline and we got turned over. It was horrible. It was the opposite experience of what you used to like. Celtic. Yeah. you were yeah. getting going. and I played against. I think it was Baldi and Varga, and Varga stood in my twank and get my, my nail taken off at half time. I didn't really want to come out for the side <laughs> half. two men just clattered into you and bang after bang. It wasn't was yeah. an, it was, an, it was an afternoon.
0: Was it? Was there a pleasant pleasant day? Um, is there anyone you, you struggled to get on with your time at Celtic Park? No. No one, no no one, no. And who was your, uh, who, who was your, who, well, you've kind of already named that if I was to ask your next question, favourite Rangers player, probably Gascoyne Alloudrop.
1: Favourite Rangers player? Yeah. I'm allowed to say that one here. I, I, I think, all right. I think, I think, uh, I think Ian Durant was a fantastic football player. I think for what he achieved, I think uh, if he hadn't get the knee injury, I think he'd have been even better. But
0: I think Gerard was a fantastic player. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Excellent player. What does the future hold then, Simon? What's the future aspirations? Obviously, you've t- touched on your, your business you've got there. Um, what other what other things are, are are happening in the in the Donnelly household, or what's 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 in the horizon?
1: Just as I say, about two or three businesses that have. I'm working with Jackie again, surprise, surprise. With uh, his Consilium uh, Sports Group, who just advise and, and help players. Not necessarily football; there's different sports he's involved with now, uh, golf and whatnot. Just advise them on their careers and help them with their careers. Mm-hmm. And he's get the foundation which I'm, I'm running for, which I see myself at this uh, time of my. I would like to get involved with that a bit more. We've had a discussion about this, and I would like to, to see where that takes us as well. What we can do with that, and you know, raise some money for for some good charities.
0: No, look, I think it's I think it's great with, with the guy with the names that you guys have got. You obviously will people will people will, people will get behind you if you're if you're doing, doing stuff like this. And I, I encourage anybody that's watching to to support uh, support the cause. I just want to thank you uh, very very much, Simon. It's been a it's been an absolute pleasure. To talk to you from a from a Rangers fan point of view, to speak to a Celtic legend has been has been so much fun. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I just want to put out there as well to everybody: um, please subscribe to my uh, my YouTube channel, and um, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shaky's um, with SJI one at the end of it. I really appreciate it if you if you get behind it. If you could stay on for two seconds, Simon, I'll speak to you in a second, sir. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again. Cheers, mate. Thanks.